What's up? I'm Amanda Costco, and you're listening to the Electric Runway Podcast, the podcast exploring the intersection of fashion and technology. Today on the show, we're speaking with Zach Pearl, Artistic Director of Subtle Technologies. They're a Toronto-based maker meetup turned art tech festival. Now in its 19th year, Subtle Technologies is honing in on the future of fashion. The title of this year's festival, which runs today, May 12th through May 15th, is Seamless Visions, and it explores new textiles and wearable technologies. I just love speaking to Zach and getting his insights on the relationship between technology and textiles and how that's evolved over the years. If you're in Toronto, we invite you to check out the event listings page on electricrunway.com where you can find more information about the festival and how to attend. If you can't make seamless visions, I'm confident you'll gain a lot of insight from listening to my conversation with Zach. He's articulate and knowledgeable about not only fashion and technology, but art and science. It's an interesting conversation and it starts right now. Zach, welcome to the show. Hi, thanks so much for having me. So for people who don't know who you are and what Subtle Technologies is, tell us about it. Well, I am the artistic director of Subtle Technologies. I have a pretty varied background, but that is suited to the organization well. I come from a design and curatorial background, and I also have an immense uh, interest in physics and biology and other applied sciences, and Subtle Technologies the mandate of it is really about that blend of art and science. So we phrase ourselves as being a platform for community sharing and knowledge exchange at the intersection of art, science, and technology. But what we're most known for is our annual festival that we put on each May, and that covers a diverse range of topics and switches a different thematic focus with each year. And so you're Toronto-based, correct? Correct. So we do have some partnerships that are national and international. In the past, we have done things with Hexagram in Montreal, which is based out of Concordia University. And we have invited international artists and scholars to partake in our events, but we are mostly based here in the downtown Toronto core. Awesome. And so I want to get to the upcoming festival because there's so much on the program. It sounds so exciting. But first, I want to talk to you a little bit about this platform that you've created for merging art and technology. Why do you think this is important? I think that it's important because art and technology really have always been united and synonymous with one another, even if we don't think of it that way. So a lot of traditional art practices, even like painting and sculpture, have really spurred technological advancement over the years. The idea of breaking down soil and nutrients into pigment in order to create paint or the design of sculptural systems like the lost wax technique that was developed during the Renaissance created these larger sort of engineering concepts that we use to this day. And then it's also important at the same time that art and technology and science works largely the same way, that they are not opposed in a spectrum where they are disconnected somehow, but that they actually are quite agonistic, meaning that they propel each other forward. So a daring idea in art that doesn't seem conventional and proposes something radical actually becomes a diving off point for technology and scientific research to then carry it and and manifest it. And they become a really interesting dialogue back and forth that's enriching for culture and kind of 
encapsulates you know the wonder of what it means to be a human being trying to figure out where we are in the world and in the universe absolutely and i like the idea that you use the word dialogue i was going to say they inform one another i don't know if you caught zach poson on the not stephen colbert show anymore it's like i guess the late show now with stephen colbert Mm -hmm. because he just had his dress at the met gala for claire danes and he was talking about this dialogue between specifically fashion and technology and he was talking about how the earliest computers were actually based on textiles and I think that what's really interesting about these digital garments that we're seeing is they're now becoming metaphors for this larger relationship that you were talking about and they're really putting into focus exactly what you were talking about how art and technology inform one another I I think that that's intuitive but it's really putting it into focus so Specifically, your organization is not a fashion organization, but how does fashion fit into your wheelhouse? Well, I think that you've highlighted a lot of reasons that it does in what you were just talking about. Textiles are really one of the oldest technologies that humankind has invented and continued to use and actually depended on for many millennia. There are so many relationships between the way that textiles are designed and produced and used that parallel some of our most advanced computerized and electronic technologies today. When we think about the matrix or the sort of the pattern of warp and weft and how it actually mimics binary code and relates to the way that we organize information digitally and in our computer heavy society. So our understanding of information is intrinsically linked to textiles. And fashion specifically brings textiles into a cultural milieu where expression and also communication are really important to how we understand the use of textiles as a technology. And now in the age of digital media where users largely have access to tools to create and express through digital technology, fashion now has this multimedia aspect to it and can function as both something practical to shelter and warm the body, but also to create new opportunities, and especially in a more digitally networked society, ways to actually socialize and express yourself through the garments that you wear. And so you have an exciting event coming up in Toronto that touches on these very themes. Tell us about it. So our festival kicks off this week, our 19th annual festival. It's titled Seamless Visions, New Textiles and Wearable Technologies. And it really brings together a diverse mixture of artists, designers, technologists, and makers from various backgrounds who are all working with this idea of how textiles are ingrained within us as a a species and are ancient technology, but also contemporary and really key to envisioning our future. So there's four days of the festival, each one has a very different kind of event, but they all relate to this theme. And we're mounting an exhibition. We have a wearable technology fashion show. We have a speaker series where researchers and artists present their projects. And then we also have a day for more hands-on and interactive components. So there will be a workshop and there will also be a mobile tour of artist studios in and around the greater Toronto area. It sounds so exciting. I'm so sorry that I'm not going to be in Toronto to see it, but I'll certainly be following along on social media. Before we get into some of the programming in detail, maybe you can tell me a little bit about how the festival started and how it evolved, and at what point did you become involved? Sure. The festival is actually kind of old by 
festival standards. This is our 19th festival. Next year will be our 20th year of operation. The festival started in 1997, really informally as a meetup group in the basement of one of our partnering organizations, InterAccess, which is still one of Canada's oldest, specifically artist-run centers geared towards electronic arts. And it started as a project over the summer and evolved. Basically, the members of InterAccess who are artists and working on this project became so attached to this idea of coming together and reaching across disciplines, saying, you know what, I don't actually want to talk about art today. I want to talk about science or I want to talk about physics or biology and how it relates to my media art practice, that they started to create a yearly event where people could branch out a little bit from the confines of what was considered a much more narrow definition of art than we even envisioned today in 2016. If we think back to the late 90s, the melding of art and science was still a very novel concept and not a lot of people were talking about that. So this Subtle Technologies became an annual meetup event, essentially, for artists, designers, scientists, technologists to network, to exchange ideas, to create opportunities for future collaboration. And so over the years, it started out as a symposium and then started to pick up additional components of programming. Then there was an exhibition component as well as all of the talks and the networking. Then there started to be screenings and then there started to be hands-on workshops. And because we don't actually have a physical space, we're quite nomadic, we're always reaching out and partnering with other organizations in order to make that programming happen. So as we've evolved over the years, we also have this larger network as an organization ourselves. So we're helping people who are involved in these fields and working between disciplines network with one another and our organization is also very much about reaching out and creating a whole system of relationships within the the media arts and science community and so let's make some of this programming concrete for listeners as i understand it you're hosting a wearable tech fashion show at the gladstone that includes augmented reality and 3d printing put on by wendy and gregory phillips what can audiences expect from this so this is a very cool project in the way where it's using 3D printing and plaster molding to create new textures and new textiles, essentially new fabric materials. But then there's also another aspect to it where the garments have been created with fabric that's digitally printed in different RGB patterns, red, green, and blue, specific saturations of these colors that audience members will be able to hold a filter up in the light and see different variations of that pattern, depending on if they have a red, a green, or a blue filter. So it plays with both digital technologies like LEDs that will be creating the light and the digital printing and 3D printing of the garments that they're seeing, but also really analog technologies, as simple as taking a colored piece of plastic that functions as that lens and then reveals or conceals different amounts of information about the garment. There's so much there, I find. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off, but there's so much there, I find, on the idea of filters. Just we use filters every day on things like Instagram, but also filters as the idea through which we mediate our bodies to the world. And and that's essentially what fashion is. But uh, go on, what were you going to say? Oh, yeah, exactly. It's uh, Their project kind of touches on the idea of surveillance technologies and also this concept within philosophy, new philosophy called machine seeing, which definitely 
it links to this idea that who who is able to see what, who has the control in that relationship, but also as our garments become electronic and computerized, what kinds of filters will they be capable of? What kind of filters will we be subjected to? And how do we interpret information, visual information in this age when our clothes and, and the visible part of our bodies are factored into that, not just information on a screen, but on the worn body and on our skin. Absolutely. And I think that the fact that this conceptual art show, fashion show, is happening in Toronto is really appropriate because, as I'm sure you know, Steve Mann is from Toronto and his theories are all about surveillance and surveillance. And a lot of his work over the past 30 years has been playing with those very ideas. So, Zach, we've been seeing a lot of brands play around with AR and VR on mobile and in stores and on the runway. I'm curious to know, as someone who's watching this space, how do you think technology is shaping our experience of fashion? I think that technology is creating a, a double-edged sword for fashion right now. In a lot of ways, it's a very exciting time because we have all of these designers and consumers who want to see more integration between the kind of digital media that they experience on their phones and on their computers with lived reality and to be able to physically enact that in a way that now incorporates a lot more ideas of performance. So people can take this technology and integrate it into things like dance and other forms of movement or create all new forms of theater where the computers are actually on the actors themselves and not sort of in in a grid hovering over and around the audience and throughout the environment creates a lot more of a personal expression and the opportunity for there to be more dynamic exchange. But at the same time, I think the technology is also dominating some of the fashion world in a way that is a bit deceptive because we start to associate ideas of wearable technology with things that only have circuits and wires. And we tend to lose sight of the fact that wearable technology also encompasses a t-shirt and also encompasses buttons. And that those simpler things that we take for granted were actually very novel concepts long ago, but that they came about through scientific research and artistic play and that those things are also very essential technologies that are really important to a sustainable future of fashion and of life on the planet. Yeah, I think this is where the conversation is headed when we look at what's being said out there in terms of wearable technology and in terms of fashion tech even. There's a lot of glitz and glamour around the stuff that lights up because it's fun and attractive, but I think that it is spurring this larger conversation from people who have a more traditional design background who are saying, hey, wait a minute, the loom is a technology. But I think what people are really fascinated with right now is digital technology. So speaking about wearables on the body, another element of your event is Barbara Lane and Lauren Osmond will be exploring ideas of proximity and electromagnetic fields in your programming with Alexis Boyle and Marissa Galmet. I'm not sure if I'm saying that last name correctly. So they're creating works that emphasize human connection. Can you tell me more about these parts of the program? Sure. So Barbara and Lauren's project is based on a pretty instrumental physicist from the 19th century, James Clark Maxwell. And that doesn't sound very exciting at first when you're talking about the exciting things coming down the runway, but his inventions and theorems actually led to the first successful radio 
transmissions, and he outlined how radio waves work. So their garments are using flexible silver antennas that are used by laying silver thread very intricately onto the garments. And these function as transmitters between the garments. So the closer that they are, it actually changes data that's displayed on the garments using an LED grid that's stitched into the fabric of the dresses. So there's this idea that we can start to envision clothing that not only exchanges information, but exchanges particular kinds of information depending on who we're interacting with and how close we're willing to get to those people. For Alexis and Marisa, they are focusing on also a really ancient concept of technology, which is collaboration and solidarity. So both of their garments require two people to activate them and to move and negotiate space together. But they're also integrating a a huge concept of theirs is the idea of sustainability, sustainable materials. And they're using recycled, unfamiliar materials to fashion, like vapor barrier, which is what's used in mechanic auto garages in order to sort of seal off areas where there's, there's paint or there's fumes entering the air. And they're also using recycled tires as well to create these garments. And when you see them on the runway, they will seem very alien in the way that they look, but actually through the model's movements, they'll start to become reminiscent of shelters and this idea of mobile shelters in a sort of dystopic future, how we can band together and create safe spaces wherever we go, as long as we're willing to work together. There's so much in there that I want to touch on. Let's talk first about this idea of wearable tech focused on proximity. It seems to me I'm looking at wearable technology both at the conceptual level and the commercial level, and I'm seeing lots of things that are designed to act and react to one another. And I'm thinking specifically of some garments that I saw on the stage at Make Fashion in Calgary this year, a mother-daughter dress that act and react to one another, a set of garments that are supposed to symbolize lovers that light up in proximity to one another. But then also on the commercial level, you have something like Ringley, which is essentially about human connection and proximity in in a different kind of way. Why do you think proximity is a theme that continues to be dramatized on the wearable stage? I think in a lot of ways. So I'm just going to go back in time in my own career for a second. When I was doing my master's degree, I spent some time actually interning at the Textile Museum of Canada, and I worked as a research assistant with Sarah Quinton, who's the head of the curatorial team there on a very interesting exhibition that was all about the veil across many cultures and throughout time. And this led me to thinking about not only how the veil both conceals and reveals, depending on the use and the wearer, but also how proximity from our own bodies to the fabric that we're wearing is such an important sensation, but yet we don't think about it very often because it's so integrated into our daily lives. And I think as we approach wearable technology as a more common aspect of our daily lives, the idea of activating things or negotiating space and proximity becomes this other constant activity that we have to take part in. But because we're moving bodies in space, it can be quite natural. And there's a way to make it seamless in the way that we use those technologies. And so I think what's happening on the runway right now is reflective of actually the way that we are used to interacting with clothing 
that's not electronic or sort of augmented in some way and pushing it more towards a way where we can act a bit more unconsciously or instinctually with these garments just by moving closer or further away from what we're trying to elicit a response from. And you're also bringing that interactivity not just on the stage, but there's also an interactive component for audiences in part of the program called RGB Textiles, where you're inviting audiences to participate in making interactive content worn on the body. Can you tell us more about that? So the RGB Textiles component is actually our workshop for the festival, and that is being led by Philippe Blanchard. He is a a practicing artist here in Toronto and also an instructor at OCAD University, what was formerly the Ontario College of Art and Design. He has been working for the past few years on thinking about colorimetry, which is the science of how different colors and their vibration through light actually affects how we see things and how it's processed in the brain. And so this workshop allows people to use different dyeing techniques with very specific pigments to create wearables, but also possibly fabrics for installation or constructing sculptural objects. And then he puts it under a computerized LED light pattern. And this creates the sensation optically that the patterns are moving and that it's being animated through space. So people will have the opportunity to create their own patterns, to create their own garments or potentially their own sculptures. And then with Philippe's help, they will come away with this video of their object or their garment animated under RGB light. That sounds like so much fun. (laughs) So a a big part of Subtle Technologies is actually these workshops, and it seems that a big part of the mandate is really letting people get their hands dirty and not just be spectators to technology, but participants in it. How do you see the maker movement shaping, I guess, technology, but also the consumer products that we're seeing on the market? Oh, I think it's huge. I think that the maker movement is a, is a natural occurrence with the idea that as every technological field becomes more studied and we have more time to process it, there's more time for people to tinker and to understand what's under the hood and become a part of that culture. And I think that it's very important because I also teach part-time in addition to my role at Subtle Tech and my own students, they are remarkably integrated into digital technology and digital culture, yet there's so much advancement happening every day that you can see that they understand less and less about the technologies in the way that they're built, in the way that they function. And it becomes, I think it's a necessity to encourage people to become part of the maker movement in order to have more agency and more control over their daily lives as as technology becomes more pervasive. So one of the things about Subtle Tech, too, about its mandate, is that we often use the expression citizen science, and this could also apply to the term maker as well, because I think that these things are not shared in the same communities of language, but that they're very much connected. And it is about educating oneself and exposing oneself to these types of events and to these communities in order to empower yourself to have not necessarily expertise in something, but to have enough wonder and enough beginning knowledge to tinker and to let creativity lead the way. And then from collaborating with other people within your community, all of this knowledge comes together to create something that's a sustainable solution for everyone. But it really is about fostering a culture that is willing to take part in these 
wonderful and, and revolutionary inventions that it's using in a way that is more um, personalized, customized, and something that, that you will understand on a level that is more than just a consumer, but you're being active within that process. Yeah, absolutely. And I love how you've been able to embody that in a festival where people can come and experience that. So Zach, just a couple more questions for you and I'll let you go. A lot of people have ideas for fashion or art events, but then they have trouble securing sponsorships or forming partnerships. How did you go about getting involved with big players like the Textile Museum of Canada? I think you mentioned you used to work there. Yes, it's always a challenge trying to create the the kind of big partnerships that you'd like for events like these. I think that even when you're working for a large organization with a lot of resources, it's hard to get people's attention these days because there's so much going on and to make the case why they should partner with you. I think in the case of the Textile Museum, I did I did work there for a while, and so I have that. But I also, in Subtle Technologies, I work with a programming committee, so I select people each year that have a specialization in the theme that we're pursuing and then I work with them to create the content over many months. So this year I also chose people that were actively involved in either making or curating wearable technology already and so some of them they spurred these connections to the other organizations that we're working with like the Textile Museum. So I have my own network and then I'm also utilizing the people around me in the arts and science community to animate those those relationships as well. And I don't know if you want to use this time now to return to that question that I don't think I let you finish it earlier, but how did you get involved in the festival itself? Well, a couple of years ago, the old festival director or head of programming, Jim Ruxton, who was so instrumental for so many years in creating Subtle Tech and, and leading it to the point where it is now, he did his job for 17 years, and I don't think that anyone was astonished in the least when he said, you know, I kind of need to concentrate on my family and <laughs> pursue some other projects for a while. So I was hired a couple of years ago as an interim curator to take over the festival for that year um, so that there could be a smooth transition while he was moving away from things. And I just ended up really enjoying the kind of work that's involved with it, most specifically working with the kinds of people that we do that participate in the festival. I hesitate to call them artists a lot of the time or designers or technologists because I really seek out people to participate in the festival that aren't comfortable using those labels because what they do kind of falls in the liminal space in between all of those things. And that was a really strong motivation for me. I also have a deep interest in working with organizations that create, as we were talking about earlier, opportunities for people to access concepts and the sort of content that's a little bit more heavy, but do it in a way that still makes people feel welcome and that it's something that's important that everyone can share. And so through that experience of of doing the interim position, I just kind of said, you know, I want to take this to the next level and I have some ideas for the vision of the organization myself that I'd like to see come to fruition. And so um, after that, then I kind of proposed that I I take on the director position and I've been there since. So they let you stick around. (laughs) They did. (laughs) They were like, yeah, we could, 
could tell that you were enjoying yourself, so we'll let you stick around. Oh, that's fantastic. <laughs> so, Zach, how can people stay in touch with you and follow along the festival on social media if they can't make it out in person? We would love to see everybody interacting with all of our online social media platforms. We are on Facebook at facebook.com slash subtle technologies. We are on Twitter at subtle tech. And we're also on Instagram at subtle underscore technologies. So feel free to follow us and drop in and please tweet or, or post at us. And we'll gladly start up a dialogue with you. That's what we're all about. People can also visit our website to see more details of the content. And following the festival, though probably not until early June, we should have a lot of documentation up. So photos video, sound clips that people can access if they're not able to make it out to the festival itself. Great. So we'll put up some links on Electric Runway as usual so that people can link to your content. I'm so excited to follow along on social media. I'm so sorry I can't be there in person. Zach, thank you so much for your time and your insights today. I really appreciate it. Thank you. I really enjoyed myself. That was my conversation with Zach Pearl of Subtle Technologies. For images of everything we talked about on the program, and for all past episodes, we invite you to check out electricrunway.com. For your daily dose of fashion tech inspiration, follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Snapchat. You can find us by searching electric underscore runway. If you're a regular listener to our show, we'd ask that you please leave us a five-star rating on iTunes or Stitcher. It helps others like you discover this kind of content. Thanks for tuning in. That's it for today's episode. Until next time, here's looking towards the future. Music from today's episode by Andrew Apple Pie.